Good evening, New Philly. <laughs> Good evening, guys and guests. Okay. Okay, get your Bibles ready. And let's get ready to listen to the Word of God. Okay, let me pray before I begin. Nervous. Hmm. Father God, I just invite your Holy Spirit into this room right now. Lord Jesus, we would love to listen from you, Lord God. I truly believe, oh Father God, you have something special for tonight. And you have prepared a special message for this audience, oh Father. And I know that, Lord God, you can use a humble vessel like me. Father God, so I pray for more anointing discernment and wisdom, O oh Lord God. And I pray that you release, O oh Lord God, spirit of wisdom and revelation to the audience. So when they listen to my words, O oh Father God, let it not be my words, but your own voice, O oh Lord God, speaking to them, O oh Lord, one by one, O oh Lord Jesus. Uh, may you, O oh Father God, bring a great revelation of the love of the Father and delight, how delight, how much delight you take from them, O oh Father God. I just pray uh, that you release a great joy and great comfort and great love, O oh Lord God, into the audience through this message, O oh Father. Lord, we claim the victory that we have in you, O oh Father, and every moment, O oh Father God, we have the victory. We are living out the victory. So, Lord, be with me as I preach. <laughs> Father, I know that you will be with me, and I thank you in advance for what's, uh, what you're going to do tonight. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay. <sighs> okay. New Philly has a we have a faith statement, and then let me read you a part of New Philly's faith statement, and then I hope you all agree with this, and you know, say amen at the end. <laughs> part of it, it goes like this, try in God. We believe in one God, creator of all things, infinitely perfect and eternally existing in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Do you all agree with this? Yeah, you better say amen because Pastor Christian's watching you. <laughs> amen? Amen, yeah. <laughs> yes. Though the term Trinity is not mentioned in the Bible, the doctrine of the Trinity is the core of the Christianity, Christian faith. And three persons of Godhead share the same qualities and the same characters from the beginning, even before the existence. And what we can learn about God by studying this trinity is very rich. There are a lot of things that we can try from. But the essence of it should be the fact that God is a relational being. Right? And therefore, we can say that God is love. For love is something that, we, uh, that one person has for another. Right? One person cannot love. You know? There should be more than two. Do you agree? Right? So when, you, when we say that God is love, it makes sense because God is a relational being. He understands that. So uh, 
uh, if God were an impersonal being, God is love, it wouldn't make sense that much, right? And God really has love as His essence because He's a relational being. And because three persons of Godhead, they love one another with the perfect love. And, you know, there is love because God is a relational being. And what else can there be in that three-person relationship? We're going to look at that. And there are Jesus' own words that explain the triune relationship. And uh, let's go to John chapter 16. John chapter 16, verse 14 to 15. John chapter 16, 14 to 15. Gospel of John, 16, 14 to 15. This chapter explains about like Holy Spirit's role, what Holy Spirit does. And then let's read it together, 14 and 15. One, two, three. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So, in other words, Holy Spirit, he glorifies Jesus and the Father by taking what is theirs, what is God's and Jesus's, and declaring it to the believers, to us. That's Holy Spirit's job, and by doing it, He glorifies Jesus and the Father, right? And also, John 17, 4 to 5, um, this is a part of Jesus' prayer, and I will just read it for you guys. Uh, 17, 4 and 5. I glorify you on earth, having accomplished the work that you have me to do. And now, Father... Glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the word existed. It says, I glorify you on earth. So Jesus glorifies God. And uh, in the middle it says, Father, glorify me. Glorify me, Father, Jesus says. Right? Now, the three persons of Trinity glorify one another. Right? Holy Spirit, you know, Father and Son, they glorify one another. Then what does glorify truly mean? To, to glorify, it means to praise, to enjoy, and to delight in something or someone. To delight in someone. It's to glorify someone. It's the same thing. Then the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit eternally delight in one another. They delight over one another for eternity. And there is that mutual delight in Trinity within three persons. And in other words, God delights in Himself. Then, where can we see God delighting over Himself? Where can we find that in the Bible? And three persons enjoying one another. Enjoying one another's presence. Are you all with me? Mm-hmm. Okay. Though God was always triune from the beginning... There is no direct mentioning of the term Trinity, as I mentioned before. But however, there is one event, only one, where all three persons of Godhead appeared in an empirical and sensible way. There is only one occasion. Do you know what that is? Hmm? Yes, baptism of Jesus Christ. Let's go to that passage. It's Matthew chapter 3, 13 through 17. Matthew chapter 3, 
since we have many guests. Let me just read it from ESV and then just follow along reading your own version. Okay? Let me read and then you listen. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Amen. And Jesus was at the Jordan River with John the Baptist. And when he went off from the water, the Holy Spirit descended from heaven in the form of dove, which is visible. Dove. You can see dove, right? And then the audible voice of the Father, it was heard to Jesus from heaven. Triune God, the three persons were manifest in that experiential way. Do you all agree? Jesus was there, God's voice, and Holy Spirit, his form as a dove, just once in the Bible. And there are many beautiful, like, biblical drawings, you know, of this crucial moment. But I do not think any of that can depict the fullness of this unity and this love and this delight in that moment. And Father, affirming his son, you are my son, and sending the Holy Spirit to him. And son, standing there, welcoming the Holy Spirit, and rejoicing in the presence of the Father. And Holy Spirit, obeying the will of the Father, and coming to Jesus Christ, gently coming upon him and embracing him. God truly loves himself, and delights in himself. Because he's three persons. And, you know, God was already perfect. You know, in his trinity, he wasn't lonely or he wasn't bored. But why would a God like this create a world and a human? God was already perfect. He was having fun. You know, he had three persons. Why did God make this world and human? Jonathan Edwards, uh, he's a Christian scholar. He explained it like this in his book. Uh, Let me read it for you. The ultimate reason that God created is not to remedy some lack in God, but to extend the perfect internal communication of the triune God's goodness and love. Sounds difficult. God's joy and happiness and delight in divine perfections is expressed externally by communicating that happiness and delight to created beings. The universe is an explosion of God's glory. Perfect goodness, beauty, and love radiate from God and draw creatures to ever increasingly share in the Godhead's joy and delight. The ultimate end of creation, then, is union in love between God and the loving creature, creatures. So in short, this is, this is it. God created us to share that love and delight. To share that, that delight. God delights over his children. And Bible testifies that. Psalm 147.11, it says in NIV, The Lord delights in those who fear him, who put their hope in his unfailing love. And Psalm 149.4 says, 
For the Lord takes delight in His people. He crowns the humble with salvation. And this is one of my favorite verses. Zephaniah 3.17 says that, The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with His love. He will rejoice over you with singing. Zephaniah 3.17 And people of God, we need a big revelation here. Uh, we need to understand the heart of the Father delighting over His children. And there's an incident that inspired me to uh, come up with this sermon, of this message. It was a video clip that I watched on Facebook. A couple weeks ago, I was Facebooking and then a random... I just ran into this random video. I was just watching, you know, here and there. And then I just ran into this video clip of Pastor Dave and his little baby daughter, um, El- actually, Elizabeth? Oh, yeah. And their video, I just ran into it and I watched it. And let me tell you, she's the happiest baby in the world. She's so cute. And then, yeah, she's really cute. <laughs> and then it's the happiest baby. And then, in that video, so what Pastor Davis is doing is he's holding her like this on the table. And then I guess they were like trying, training to like walk her, I think. And then uh, she could barely stand on her feet. She couldn't. And she was doing it, wasn't doing anything. She was just staring at his daddy's face. And she was laughing here and there. And then, you know, she, she couldn't do anything. But Pastor Dave kept on saying that. Right, very good, very good. You're strong. Oh yeah, you're good, you're good, very good. And then at the end, after a couple minutes, he was like, he held her to his chest and he kissed her and then said, well done. And oh, well done. Very good, well done. And for some reason, at that point, tears started rolling down my face. Seriously. You guys should watch that. Those tears started rolling down my face, seriously. And wow, that was the revelation that I got. Um, just the heart of the father delighting over his child, you know, even the human earthly father delighting over his daughter. And that really um, spoke to me because I was thinking about my heavenly father, right? And to think about God's heart to you, to his children, how much delight he will be taking at this moment. You know, watching you and saying, well done, good, you're doing good. <laughs> well done, you're strong, you know. Such a delight. And I was really blessed by the video. Brothers and sisters, let's think about our Heavenly Father. Um, he never ceases to do that with us. He always delights in us. He's having so much fun with us, you know. And He just likes us, you know. And he, says, he takes great delight in us, just as Jephaniah 3.17 says. He's having great delight in us. And he's rejoicing over us with singing. And then, you know, we are made in his image. You know, how can he not love us? How can he not delight in us? He's the God who delights in himself. That we are made in his image. How can he not delight in us? He sees the beauty of the Lord in us, you know. We reflect the beauty of God. And how can He not delight in us? Of course He loves us. He delights in us. And when you understand that fully, these words will come out of your mouth. This is the confession of King David, by the way. 
He says, Psalm 139:14, I praise you, Lord, I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. You know, this is a confession of King David, but notice that these words came out of David's own mouth, not from God. He said, I am wonderfully and fearfully made. You know, there's a subtle difference. Listen, I praise you for you made me fearfully and wonderfully. And I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Can you tell the difference? So the first thing, I praise you for you made me fearfully and wonderfully. I think that's a matter of um, understanding. That's the fact. God made us fearfully and wonderfully. That's the fact. That needs no perception on our part. Then when we say, I praise you, God, for I I am made fearfully and wonderfully. When we say that, that requires the perception. How we see, how we perceive ourselves. Do you get that? Do you get that? Do you perceive yourself like King David did? You know, Do you say that I am fearfully and wonderfully made? Or do you just say that he made me wonderfully and fearfully? You know, there is a difference, I believe. And if God made us in His image, we should be able to see the beauty of the Lord in us with our own eyes. Not just saying, when He sees us, we are beautiful. In His eyes, we are beautiful. But more than that, we have to be, we should be able to say that, I am beautiful. I am beautiful with my own eyes too. In my world, at least, you know, in my world, I'm, I am beautiful in the Lord, you know. And if God delights in the way He made us, we should be able to delight in the way we are too. And so many people, I've, I know so many people, they tell their friends, they tell their disciples that you guys are beautiful, you guys are fearfully and wonderfully made. But then when it comes to themselves, they don't say that. They don't confess that with their mouth. Maybe they know that in their minds, but they don't confess it. Don't, they don't perceive it with their own eyes. They just do not know. You know, Their head knows, but their heart doesn't know. If that's you, you need a revelation. You are to delight in yourself the way you are, the way God does in you, you know, the way God perceives you. And you are to perceive the beauty of the Lord in yourself with your own eyes, you know. And I got this revelation uh, after watching the video and after crying. And then I came to Friday Fire the day after or something. And then I get the huge revelation. Wow. Not only in God's eyes, in my eyes. This is a little embarrassing to share, but after Friday Fire, I was in Pastor Christian's car on the passenger seat. And then I think Pastor Christian was getting an odeng or something, you know. He was eating something outside, and the car was parked. And then I was with Sonny and his, her co-worker, Jeannie, on the car. And then, you know, on the passenger seat above your head, there's, a, you know, the mirror that you can kind of unfold it, you know. And then I opened it, and then I was looking at myself for like 10 minutes. Amazed by my beauty, literally. No, I'm serious. Oh, God. No, I, no, no, no. I'm not saying that. I, no, I am saying that I'm beautiful. <laughs> Listen up, God. Oh, my gosh. Oh. No, no, no. Listen, up. I saw the beauty of the Lord reflected in myself. 
for the first time in my life, I literally saw the beauty of the Lord, not my face, you know. And I prayed that, Lord, I prayed you, for you made me in your image. Lord, I prayed you that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. And even in my eyes, God, wow, I am reflecting your beauty. I am really beautiful, Lord. <laughs> and I was just looking at myself in awe. And then I just pray that you guys have that experience. You know, all of you, you all need that, I think. I think I saw the way, I saw myself the way God sees me that night. That was how God views me, how God perceives me, you know. <laughs> and then this is a big thing for me to say because I had that crazy insecurity about my uh, own uh, appearance, my body image, and my, you know, about my face and, you know, my appearance. I had that insecurity for a long time. And if you know my testimony, I struggled with bulimia for six years, even after my salvation. So for me to say that, wow, I'm genuinely beautiful in the Lord, and even in my eyes, that's a big thing to say. That's a really big thing. And then I really want everyone to experience the same thing, literally. Wow, I'm so good looking. <laughs> wow, I'm so attractive. I'm so pretty, you know, that experience, you know. Seeing the beauty of the Lord in ourselves, in yourself. I think everyone needs it. The way God sees you, you need to see that in your own life. Let's proclaim it, people. Even though you guys laughed at me, let's say it out loud. <laughs> I want you to all say that I am beautiful. I am beautiful. Yes. Yeah, even the brothers, you guys are beautiful. Let's just say that. I am beautiful. <laughs> yes. That's right. Okay. <laughs> Amen. You guys are all beautiful. Seriously. You know, God delights over you and you should delight over yourself. Brothers and sisters, God delights over you, over your appearance, over your personality, strengths and weaknesses, and the way you laugh, the way you eat, the way you talk, everything. God delights in you. Amen. Uh, yes. Okay, let's not lose the uh, line. Okay, let's not lose the track. So I share that Trinity God, you know, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. <laughs> he delights in himself within that Trinity, right? He delights over himself. That was the one thing. And God delights in who? You guys. Yeah, he delights in us. Second point. Oh, okay, let me move on. <sighs> Guys, I love going to weddings. How many of you guys love going to weddings? I love wedding people. Oh, no one? Yeah, I love going to weddings. And simply because it has a lot of, you know, love, joy, delight, and happiness. You know, you can see all of that at the wedding. But let's think of, uh, imagine there is a beautiful wedding hall. Imagine, okay, along with me. Beautiful wedding hall. It's perfectly decorated with flowers and everything. Ribbons, you know? And there's the best food in the world waiting for the guests. Wow, you're attending that wedding. And there is a bridegroom on the stage, you know, standing there, you know? And with a big smile, but nervous smile, you know? He's waiting for the bride. You know, waiting for the beautiful bride to walk down the aisle. He's just waiting there. So he and all the guests are waiting and waiting and waiting, but the bride doesn't show up. 
snap, right? <laughs> and much later, finally, somehow, she came. And she reluctantly started walking down the aisle, one by one. But her face is full of sorrow. Behind the veil, despair and anxiety. She just said, <laughs> that's our good audience. And even tears started welding up in her eyes. She's not happy. Not tears of joy, not tears of happiness. How was the wedding, guys? Food was great, decorations were amazing. How was the wedding? Fantastic. How was the wedding? It's a sad wedding. Bridegroom was happy. He was delighting over his pride. Oh, my beautiful bride. But it's never so great without that mutual delight. Yes, God loves you. Yes. Oh, good. how beautiful the wedding is doesn't matter there must be that mutual delight you know bridegroom and the bride mutually happy mutually loving and having delight over each other that's got to be there at the wedding and yes God loves you and he delights in you but my question is this as a bride what about you you know how do you feel about God you know how are you responding to his love yeah, I know God loves me. Yeah. Is that it? Yeah, I love Jesus too. Is that it? You know? Would you feel okay if you feel like that on the wedding day? Just before you walk down the aisle? Would you be okay with that? Are you going to marry that person? Is there mutual delight in your relationship with God? You also should delight in Him. Without your part, it's never going to be so exciting. It must be mutual. I believe uh, this is a message for the church with the capital C, the churches in the world in this generation. And so many people has, have been um, emphasizing this. We need a generation of worshipers who know how to delight in the Lord, how to delight in God, who understand the power of mutual delight. So delighting in God... It doesn't mean doing something for Him. You know? It's all about desiring to be with Him. Just being with Him. It's enjoying being in His presence for the sake of being together. Right? Just being with God. You know, being in His presence. Delighting in the Lord. Let me give you some examples in the Bible. You guys all know the story of Mary and Martha, right? When Jesus visited their house. When Martha was busy doing things for Jesus, cooking, cleaning up, you know. But Mary, she chose to be with Jesus at his feet. And she was delighting in being in his presence, you know. Just being attentive to Jesus, just staying there. This is the powerful moment of mutual delight. Jesus delighting over Mary, and Mary delighting over Jesus. And Mary had the wisdom to choose what's better. And Song of Solomon, this book talks about the romance of King Solomon and his bride. But it uh, figuratively describes the love and intimacy between God and his church, Jesus and his church. In response to groom, the bride says this. This is my favorite verse from Song of Solomon. Chapter 2, verse 3 and 4. 
As an apple tree among the trees of the forest, so is my beloved among the young men. With great delight, I sat in his shadow, and his fruit was sweet to my taste. He brought me to the banqueting house, and his banner over me was love. Sitting under his shadow, tasting the sweetness of him, she is delighting over her bridegroom. Mutual delight. Do you guys see that? And there was another man who was so in love with God. His name is King David. In Psalm 27, 4, this is a famous verse. He says, One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek Him in His temple. The one thing he wanted was to being in God's presence and just delighting in His presence delight in his presence that was the one thing that he wanted church needs to restore the mutual delight not just knowing God serving God or doing ministries for God no but enjoying him and delighting in him should be our priority God is most glorified when we are most satisfied in him (laughs) this is a famous line of John Piper right And He delights in us, we delight in Him. Yes, truly God is most glorified. In that mutual delight, God is most glorified. And before I finish, uh, I want to invite you to the very place where Jesus got baptized. At the river, Jesus, the Son of God, who had no sin, was baptized by water. Baptism of water as the symbolism of cleansing of sin. Did Jesus have sins? No, he was sinless. He didn't have to go through that. He didn't need a baptism. But when John the Baptist, he said, You don't need this, Jesus. I'm supposed to be baptized by you. But Jesus says, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. As Jesus went under the water, he was identifying himself with us, the sinful man. He took our place and he got baptized. And after about three years, he truly fulfilled all righteousness by identifying with us in the most violent and loving way, dying on the cross as a sinner. Because Jesus identified with us we are now clothed with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And because Jesus identified with us, we are now invited to the perfectly delightful relationship of the Trinity, Triune God. With the clothes of Jesus Christ, we can enter into the relationship. And three persons, and even us, we can enjoy it together. Why don't we close our eyes? Hmm. And I want you to imagine uh, this. Now, you are invited to where Jesus got baptized, the Jordan River. Clothed with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Why close? And your sins are all gone. There's nothing that can stop you from being in the presence of God. 
you are standing in the river. It's quiet. All you can feel and hear is the water and the wind. And see, above your head, the beautiful sky is open. And Holy Spirit is coming upon you like a dove. It came and rests on you. And here, a voice from heaven telling you that this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Because Jesus identified himself with us. Now we are clothed with the righteousness of God. And now we are invited into that triune relationship of God, Jesus, and Holy Spirit. Let's just stand there for a moment in the river, in the presence of God and Jesus and Holy Spirit, and enjoy and delight over the presence. Let's take a moment to just delight over that moment. to a thousand tongues, but there is one that sounds above them all. The Father's song, the Father's love, you sung it over me and for eternity, it's written on my heart. Heaven's perfect melody The Creator's symphony You are singing over me The Father's song Heaven's perfect mystery The King of Love has sent for me now you're singing over me The Father's song I have heard so many songs Listened to a thousand tongues But there is one That sounds above them all Sounds above them all Father's song, the Father's love You sung it over me and for eternity It's written on my heart Zephaniah said Heaven's perfect The Lord your God is with you He's mighty to save He will take great delight in you He will quiet you with His love he will rejoice over you with singing. And Father delights over you right there, right at this moment. And I just want us to respond to him with mutual delight. Like a bride being with the groom, telling him that I love you too. I delight over you too. I'm happy in you, Lord. 
respond to Him with the mutual delight. Let's take a moment. Love you so much. We thank you, Jesus, in your precious name. 